Hi. You guys want some cookies? 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 Still no. No, you're still not going to start. <laughs> still not starting. Yeah. From the new garage <laughs> slash A-Town. It's the Throwback Podcast. I'm Dan Hansis, joined as I always am by my bosom buddy, Booby Castro. Wow. I mean, this this is leading to more questions than answers right now. I guess I had always assumed we had Jackie Daytona's permission to use that song as our opening theme song. But now in light right, of coming you... coming to get you. Right. Now in light of you co-opting Live's uh, Simple Creed... As our right. opening song, I wonder how many more illegal things have we been doing <laughs> over the course of the last three plus years. My chair is actually um, seven kilos of coke stacked up that I'm sitting on that I wow. plan to distribute through this podcast to listeners. This entire endeavor is just <laughs> for illegal activities. Uh, I guess. I guess. I'm you not know what that I thought? Surprised. You know why, Bob? No, Jackie Do- Daytona cannot be replaced. Jack Doyle's. Hard at work down in Austin on that new album. Uh, but I know you've been out of town for a long time and you probably could use a little home cooking. And what's more in the realm of home cooking than York PA's own live? Yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say I have not listened to Simple Creed since leaving for Atlanta to work on uh, Lego there Masters. So, yeah, I mean, if, if it wasn't now, it would have never happened. So, thank you, I guess, question mark. Right. I don't know if Simple Creed has ever been heard inside the walls of a uh, Airbnb in uh, inner Atlanta. So, like, we're making history in a lot of ways. I think it's safe to say it has not. Um, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good, good. We haven't we haven't spoken. We didn't even do our little like let's talk for like a few minutes before the show starts. So we're just coming in coming in fresh. I haven't seen your beautiful face in, in months at this point. Yeah, you're aging. Very well, Bob. No, uh, not well. Just happening. You're, you're there. Uh, we have your uh, better looking younger brother, Justin Graver, back for another show behind the glass. And one of the reasons, virtual glass, that is, one of the reasons why, Bob, you didn't hear from me is now that we have a proper producer, it's just me and the gravedigger going back and forth behind the scenes, getting the show set up. And now you could just come in here and be great. That's all you have to do is be great. That's amazing. I guess added pressure to actually finally be great. I've been kind of mailing it in on mediocre for years now, but I could I could probably try to up my game to great if I have to. Speaking of mediocre, um, we last you last heard from us, audience, uh, for the Foo Fighters retrospective, Taylor Hawkins. Yep. uh, And uh, remembering the great drummer of the Foo Fighters and this from Bob. I think this could be a regular. This is something I've thought about before but never actually followed through with because I never took the, you know, six minutes to gather my thoughts on it. Right. Um, we should have a office of corrections slash department of go fuck yourself. 
Oh, um, I like that. I like the name so, of it. Yeah. So I have some uh, updates because, and I will say this, Bob, I, I, I'm on record here clearly. And um, you and I have had many conversations. I can't believe we're still doing this podcast, but then we'll do certain episodes and I'll be like, oh, that was cool. Cause that episode really did hit home with a lot of people. A lot of people that love the Foo Fighters that went through, you know, some personal kind of trauma losing um, that band's drummer the way the way it all happened. And that was a celebration of life in a way, Bob. So we kind of nailed it. Yeah, I think we made our friend Christine cry. So that's always good yes. to get a, get a text message to say you guys made me cry. I've always uh, wanted to make my friends cry. And whenever you could pull it off, which has happened several times in my life, you really this is the first time it's for a good reason. I was so going to say, good. I've been around for a couple of the times you've made your friends cry. And it does. Normally, there's a lot of damage control afterwards. So it's nice that this is a positive one. He's a monster, folks. Anyway, from <laughs> the Office of Corrections Department of Go Fuck Yourself. Uh, yes, we were made aware. We had the playlist that we worked up together. Uh, several Foo Fighter super fans, which we have never proclaimed to be. We were just Ooh. fans of the group and wanted to celebrate this major rock act of our generation. Uh, they wanted to let us know that Taylor, despite um, joining the band ahead of uh, There Is Nothing Left to Lose in 1999, did not play drums on all the songs on that album, including our leadoff track and one of their biggest singles, Learn to Fly, uh, to which I say, and which we should all say, go fuck yourself. That feels like a go okay. fuck yourself. Like, we're not going to correct that one. That's more of like, uh, go fuck yourself for pointing yeah. that out to us. Right. Cool, nerd. <laughs> if anybody Thanks. owns the drums on that song, it's Taylor Hawkins, who played it probably 50,000 times in his life, yes. even if it wasn't on the album. Uh, now, again, on the subject of the playlist, disappointment uh, from... Several um, listeners that beloved Foo Fighters songs were not included in the episode, uh, namely All My Life, Breakout, and the 9-11 anthem, Times Like These, which I feel like, Bob, in retrospect, is a real missed opportunity by our show, above all shows. Yeah, that's a go, <clears throat> that's a, that's a go fuck ourselves. Yeah, uh, but one. understand this, uh, listener, this is actually the fault of Bob, um, who in an effort to keep membership to the Lower East Side Cool Kids Club, a membership that has long since expired, omitted nearly any well-known radio hit uh, by Foo Fighters from his side of the mix, putting me in a very awkward position of either filling up my side with all well-known radio hits or uh, in the process of that not being able to share any songs that meant something to me, I ended up splitting the difference, which led to some songs on the cutting room floor. Please be aware that I added some of those songs that had to be there if you want to get that playlist, which is available anywhere you have your Spotify account. Bob, do you want oh, to see, respond to I, that? I, I didn't realize that this was a go fuck myself part. I didn't know in I, this I case, was going to be... Pulled into the go fuck yourselves. In this case, I don't. I think, maybe that's a little strong. Go fuck yourself. But at the same time, uh, that I stand by everything I just said. I think I made it very clear that my only priority was including the song with Ben Queller singing backup vocals. <laughs> everything else after that was just cake. Like it didn't really matter whatsoever. So uh, that's a B. I don't know. I think a lot of those songs, even though we were celebrating the Foo Fighters discography post 2000 i still didn't really want to hear them again for the most right. part like the ones that we picked and i think a couple of the ones that we overlapped on were the hit singles those were the ones that i still have you know a uh a little soft spot in my heart for the other ones i could have done without you know what i see where you're C, coming with okay go, oh you gotta see uh, gotta on this C. one all right the C is go fuck yourself because I saw your act of cowardice on Twitter 
where you you what? bent where you bent and you put these extra songs on the playlist because you were just kowtowing to the to the fans and giving them what they want, which is so unlike you to give people what they want <laughs> in the throwback podcast uh, fan base. So it didn't sit here. This is the bottom line. If we would have done a three hour Foo Fighters episode, those would have absolutely been included. I just we needed to move things along. So it was more an understanding like these songs should be recognized. We just didn't have time to hit them because of Bob mostly. Another one was Breakout, Bob. That's a song that. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. We both like, but didn't make it. So it's on the playlist. Enjoy that. Finally, regard. And I will say this, Bob, you make a point that's fair. Like some of those big radio hits, you really need to hear them again. You need to talk about them. Then you get into like this other conversation. What if those weren't on the radio and they were non uh, singles on the album? We'd probably like them a lot more, but it, right. it's just so ingrained in our head. That is the Foo Fighters experience on some level. Finally, regarding Arctic Monkeys, the song 505 that I brought up. Yes, I understand. I said it was it came out on it came out in 2017. It was 2007. Shoot me. That and like finally, that's a, that's a go fuck yourself to anybody who pointed that out. Yep. And finally, Bob, we got a lot of shit, Bob, for um, not knowing that the reason why that song and Mr. Brightside uh, were so popular with younger people is because of TikTok primarily. And those songs are both very big on that social media platform, to which I say a grand old go fuck yourself because we are 42 and 41 years old. Uh, and guess what? Guess what? That's not our fault. It doesn't make us bad guys that we're not some creeps on TikTok. Yeah. Do you and want us on TikTok, America? Exactly. You don't want us on there. We're the <laughs> last people that should be looking at TikTok on our phones. And I will say that, uh, Bob, I thought about it some more. It got me thinking that our, as everyone knows, this podcast is for people born in exactly 1980. Right. And we are a very unique generation. I was just watching a stand up. I, I like Nate Borgazzi a lot. He's very good. Very funny. Um, uh, check out him on Netflix. He's born either the same year as us, Bob, or a year after. And he has a whole running, a uh, whole running um, portion of his latest act that you could get um, his like COVID special where he talks about what it means to be part of this generation where you kind of have a connection to everything that happened before the Internet. You have a connection, obviously, to everything that's happening now because you live both sides of it and you are aware of it. And I think we, Bob as the Napster generation of social media, we were the first version of that. So like, like we talked about living on a prayer, using that again as the, as the example. And many of those great eighties party songs that were huge when we were in college in the early two thousands, we found those songs on Napster and on file sharing services. Uh, we knew them obviously because they were around us, but that's how they got onto our real jukebox players and win amps. And it became like songs that we grew to love you take all the only thing that changed, Bob, is the platform. Now the younger kids are finding these songs uh, through TikTok and and that way. Interesting, yeah. no? Yeah, no. We we trailblazers through and through songs that had, but for us it was songs that had disappeared off the face of the earth because it was all just radio, terrestrial radio, and then nothing else. So a song like Bismarcky's "Just a Friend" that you kind of remembered, right, from the early '90s, late '80s. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, I can hear that again for the first time because no radio stations were playing it. And then all of a sudden you're going to parties and that's on a bunch of mixes because everybody remembered that song at the same time now that we had access to it. Something like Mr. Brightside just never went away. I think it's still in the top 100 again. Well, in the we UK, entered certainly. the top 100 in the UK. 
So yeah, I'd say we're, I'd say we're better because we were kind of using uh, this uh, technology to bring back kind of forgotten items from the past. This uh, TikTok generation, lazy AF, just still rehashing everything. Especially still pop there. music. Especially pop music. If you think about the way things were, classic rock existed to keep all the baby boomers satiated and have a platform for the songs that they grew up loving. Yeah. Um, but if you were if if you were somebody that loved like pop music in 1990, like 10 years later, it was kind of gone unless it was like a PLJ type song. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Napster and then, you know, playlists and CD mixes brought all those songs back. So we know where you kids are coming from. But you should be happy we're not on TikTok. It would yeah, be creepy just, yeah, if we knew ta- about that's it. The, that's the takeaway. I feel like I've never felt older than the last three minutes talking about this right now. But um, <laughs> the big takeaway is just be happy we're not we're not a making uh, content for TikTok or b just consuming it like a couple of pervs. Right. Let's bring I just assume it's perverted. I just assume it's perverted because that that is it's, what I would do. It's not being. Yeah, you're not on yeah. there as a forty something or older man uh, for any reasons other than perversion. Justin Graver, <laughs> can you jump in for one second? Um, you're in your twenties, right? Thirty on the dot. Oh, you just on turned thirty. Dot. All right. You're still you're yeah. still young enough to help us out. Did, were you aware while we were, uh, you know, prattling on about it uh, a couple weeks ago about? the killer song that it was all over TikTok, and you just let us dig our own grave there of old mandem. I actually don't have TikTok on my phone and I very rarely go on it. So no, I didn't. Okay, good. We just want to make sure you weren't a traitor. You hadn't betrayed us like (laughs) Judas. Thank you, Justin. Yeah, he was just WhatsApping other 29-year-olds while we were just rambling on, just being like, these two fucking fogies. Because that's what the kids say, right? A lot of ATN listeners were just like splooging when they heard Graver was uh, producing for us uh, for the Foo Fighters app. So I'm sure they'll be happy about this one. All right. Enough, Bob. Enough. We've gone on too much. We really have. Let's get into it. Arcade Fire. They have a new album coming out. So this is good timing, Bob. They have a new album coming out that I've been listening to for uh, the past couple of weeks. So Uh, you're into it. Got an advanced copy and it's awesome you got an advanced copy how did you get one i didn't get one somebody somebody i was gonna say you're not in the lower east side anymore bob you're not getting a a burned mix from a viacom headquarters no those days Um, are long gone canadian arcade fire fan will arnett got a advanced copy see that that makes more sense right this and Will Arnett relationship is really starting to gain some layers. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're going to start a, you, any day now. He and I are going to start a podcast together. So just be ready for it. That, you know what? Either you start a pod and we could put this one to bed or he does like, I don't know, like what's the that early Alanis Morissette album that was popular in Canada? Something <laughs> Canadian based with Will Arnett feels like a home run. It does. But he, he should get into podcasting. I feel like he would be good at podcasting. That's just my theory. That's a good guy. I don't know. We'll never know, I guess. <laughs> But uh, he's got this copy and we've been listening to it like before we start shooting. And it is so fucking good that I think I I texted you the day that I started. We started listening and I was like, buy low on the Arcade Fire because I feel like their last album was a mess. I didn't like it. I don't know anybody who did. And this new one just sounds incredible. So I've been listening to more Arcade Fire and I was excited to do this episode. So. That's interesting, and I'll reserve judgment myself. I've heard the first two songs that were released, and I kind of liked them, uh, and I thought it was encouraging. So maybe this is 
we're kind of hitting this band at a time where they're they're they've kind of figured some things out. Um, I would say Arcade Fire ever since the suburbs, the album we're hitting today, and um, probably their most successful, at least commercially, album ever. It was the album of the year in the Grammys in 2011. Um, I feel like they made the cardinal sin of disappearing all the way up their asses. Right. Uh, and I thought they were just gone forever. So if they crawled out of their own butthole, first of all, take a shower, clean up. Yeah, you're not scrub to. down. Mm-hmm. And uh, second of all, thank God, because I, there's only so much airflow, I would imagine, inside one's butt. <laughs> I thought maybe they crawled up there and died. That's kind of what I thought happened to Arcade Fire. And, and that was going to be a major kind of connection point I would have when we were discussing this record that when the suburbs came out and I was just absolutely like so many other people fell over, like I loved it so much. I thought they had an infinite um capabilities at that point and for them to just disappear was kind of one of the great rock shames of this century but now now you filled me with hope Bob. i mean i maybe i'm putting i don't know i'm kind of in a vacuum here in atlanta I'm kind of going to the same studio every day and living like a groundhog's day existence yeah so i could be wrong but in in my world right now i really enjoy it so i i hope i'm right i hope that they didn't die in their own assholes i, I know right. will butler <laughs> Didn't make it out alive. He's not in the band anymore. He might have died in the asshole, and that's it. Wait, Will? He's Will Butler's the brother, right? Yeah, the brother left the band. Yeah, he left the band. What? Yeah. Well, oh, that's crazy. What about the lady? Is the the lady? You know, lady the lady. Lady Fire. She made it out of the. She made it out of the asshole alive. Out of the butt. Yeah. Out of the pooper. Good. Shot right out. I don't know how to segue into this album came out, Dan, August 2nd, 2010, the suburbs shot right out August, 2010. This makes it, Bob, I think one of the more recent albums we've done on this show. It is definitely the most recent. It's also one just again, testament to how long we've been doing this uh, or indictment on how long we've been doing this. There was no way we would have done a 2010 album when we started this based on the overall concept of throwback albums. But here we are 2022 and it is a, legitimate throwback yeah i think we decide anything over 10 years old is uh, we can hit so this falls well within that those parameters in august 2010 a lot of celebrity weddings dan including james vanderbeek anna paquin lily sobieski hillary duff and robbie williams they all got married they not to each other but yes they all got married that's a that's kind of a i don't really need to know who they all got married to but that's kind of a weird way to surface that nug only one half of the marriages like okay yep i didn't feel like it was worth writing (laughs) down all right just tell me who james vanderbeek got married to i am interested for some reason oh i don't i don't know i didn't even write it down (laughs) (laughs) it's good to see this podcast hasn't changed yep uh movies that came out in August 2010, include the other guys. It's going to bother me, by the way, the, for the I rest know, of this episode. Who is Vanderbeek? Well, there's no way to find out. And um, holy matrimony with. The other guys is great. It has a great Foo Fighters moment when Will Ferrell and The Rock, spoiler alert, very early in the film, meet their demise in maybe the funniest way you've ever well, seen no, no, in a movie. Uh, not Will Ferrell and The Rock. It's The Rock and... Oh, The Rock Marky, and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, Marky Mark. Yes, that is. It's one of the greatest opening sequences to a movie. No, we're still wrong. Wait a second. From the Office no. of Corrections. Oh, you're right. Go be, fuck yourself. It's The Rock and Samuel Jackson. That's right. Fuck. Got it. Yeah. Don't give us a correction because we corrected we, ourselves. We got it eventually. <laughs> um, yeah. Amazing opening sequence. Um, 
the Expendables came oh, out that's that month. Stallone and Dolph yep. Lundgren. Yeah, that was a, a good premise for guys that love those action movies. I never saw any of them. Nope. Scott Pilgrim came out that month. I saw that recently, and I was kind of blown away by how original and cool it was. Yeah, I, you know what? I still never seen it. I remember when it was coming out, I was like, this movie is going to make a billion dollars. It looks like it's, it's just capturing like the zeitgeist of that entire sort of culture. And I think it, it's, I a huge, like it, it's a huge it, cult movie. It came yeah. on afterwards. Yeah. yeah. It and has finally, a whole legion of supporters. And of Go course, then finally, the, uh, another big movie that came out that month, Piranha 3D, starring Elizabeth Shue and Gianna Michaels and other people, I guess. So... That's uh, that's it. For... Elizabeth Shue was in Piranha 3D. Yep. I learned that. Elizabeth Shue, Paul Shear, and uh, Gianna Michaels. Everything else checked out. Gianna is a well-known actress of a certain pursuit. Yep. And. Um... Oh, remember we had the whole thing. Hey, uh, Justin, oh, do you yeah. know who Gianna oh, yeah. Michaels is? <laughs> that is not a name that I have ever heard before. All right. He's a liar. The... He's below the Mendoza line. That means he's below the pervert Mendoza line. Well, but also you need to factor in, Bob. Uh, yes, that is a very, I think, effective overall. But age matters in this realm. That and I true. think that is more like an eight, you know, born 78 to 82 question. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Lives forever. That <laughs> <laughs> stuff's eternal. Uh, but anyway. You could Google it, uh, Justin, but not on your work computer. The number one song, Bob, when The Suburbs by Arcade Fire was released in 2010 was... Just gonna stand there and watch Mm. me burn That's alright because I like the way it hurts Just gonna stand there and hear me cry That's alright because I love the way you lie I can't tell you what it really is. I can only tell you what is. it feels like. And right now, it's a steel knife in my windpipe. I can't breathe, but I still fight. Well, I can fight as long as the wrong feels right. I don't know. <laughs> why, 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 why is this tickling your funny bone? I don't know. Why does his voice get funnier? Not because he's like vanilla ice or something, but I think it's more. Everything after a certain point with Eminem, it just seemed like he was playing the role of Eminem. Like the and intensity, was, the intensity in his voice at a certain point, you're like, dude, come on. It was all yes, very much coming from a place of this is in my recording studio in my seven-acre Auburn Hills mansion, and it was just a little bit, I don't know. But this was great hook by Rihanna, of course. Uh, this was his last like hit that I'm aware of, really. I know he's continued to have moments, but this was this pretty was, huge. Yeah, this was huge. When I went to see what the number one song was, this was number one all around the world this summer. I mean, it was just a tremendous song, tremendous video. Rihanna hitting her prime back then, and uh, Eminem still hanging on for another hit. Yeah, I mean, it's a great song. Very smart to get into business with Rihanna and that show that M.M. still had a ton of pull by the time he had his seventh album out, which is a, you know, which is a victory in itself, considering uh, how fast hip hop moves as a genre. But uh, the single sold over 12 million copies in the U.S., one and a half million in the U.K. And uh, yeah, Rihanna, Rihanna's not somebody we're probably going to hit on this podcast but I almost think people sleep on how much he owned pop music 
from about 2005 until she was like, I'm done. I'm going to take about 10 years off to start my own line of jewelry and clothes and also get pregnant and all that. She kind of just owned the whole damn thing. Yeah, I don't know if she's being slept on. I think she's, I think like Beyonce stands are louder and more annoying uh, than Rihanna stands. But I think she gets, she's up there in terms of like cred and respect for the last yeah. 15, 20 years. I, all right. So, the, I mean, you brought up the most logical person in this conversation. But if you give me the 10 best Rihanna songs and the 10 best Beyonce songs, I might be going with Rihanna. Well, I think I she's, hit, she's hit that pop mark even more so than Beyonce has as Beyonce has gotten older and kind of done more experimental stuff. Like the well, I was a Lemonade man. I know you were. I love Lemonade. Ooh, anyway. w- would we ever do Lemonade? That would be just two <laughs> white guys on a pod talking about Lemonade. That's what it was for. I think when she put the album out, she's like, this is who I want to connect with and this is who I want to discuss my work. Um, all right. That was the number one song. Uh, when the suburbs came out. So let's now get to the Arcade Fire. At this point, and by the way, we have already done their debut album. I think it was self-titled, right, Bob? Uh, no. It was not. It was actually called Funeral. Yeah. No. We did it. it was called... I mean, come on. Arcade Fire's first album was called... Funeral. Funeral, and we did that. So go find it in the archives. I don't know if it's any good as an we episode. We did it with Greg but, Rosenthal, Dan. Come oh, on, dude, we did it with Rosenthal. So he's a big fan of Arcade Fire. Their next album after that, I might even like more Neon Bible. We have not hit that yet, and that's going to keep keep that in the back chamber. But after those first two albums, then came the Suburbs, and I believe Bob, uh, this was their masterpiece, and I stand by it. Let's get into track one, which, by the way, is called Suburbs and sounds literally like driving through the suburbs. Listen in. Bob, this was the first single released along with Month of May, which we'll get to in a bit. And it is set up uh, and based around the upbringing of Wynn and William Butler, who grew up in a suburb of Houston, despite being from Canada. And this song is kind of about that that upbringing. And I love the vibe of it. It's a great way to start the album. It's very Ted Cruzy. I didn't realize they went from Canada to Texas. <laughs> but like way more likable Ted Cruz's. Yeah, I don't think they would probably align with Ted Cruz uh, politically, but who knows? They're a Texan. It's hard to say. What do you think like, of this? Uh, oh, I love this. I mean, you're right. This sounds like the All suburbs. right, you were going to continue your Ted Cruz runner. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be the thing that we're just going to keep going back to. <laughs> and by the end, we'll all be pro-Ted Cruz. Um, no, I mean, you're right. This sounds like the suburbs. This sounds like driving up Route 59 on like a sunny summer day. Mm-hmm. On the way to uh, the Nanuet Mall, and 
you know, we grew up in the suburbs. We're suburbs. Yeah, kids. nobody, nobody should be able to relate to this album uh, like us, Bob. We're the ultimate suburb kids uh, growing up 30 minutes northwest of Manhattan, but feeling very much uh, in the bubble outside the city. And Win Butler said the album and the song is neither a love letter to nor an indictment of the suburbs. It's a letter from the suburbs. And they wanted to make it clear they're, you know, they're a very indie rock structure in terms of their uh, conceit. And they said, we don't want to make it sound like we came from some rough neighborhood or we grew up in the city or anything like that. This is who we were and we wanted to sing about this. And they called this song and album a mix of Depeche Mode and Neil Young. So keep that in mind as we go through this. Oh, that's interesting. That's, I wouldn't say either of those two artists <laughs> listening to this first song especially. It's it's jangling. It's de- definitely different than everything they put on their first two albums. At least, as I kind of think very quickly. I mean, this is not like, you know, the first track off of the first album uh, that they introduced themselves to the world with. This is a f- kind of a happy, poppy type song that yeah. does not kind of vibe with everything else. Bring it back up, Joseph. I mean, I did say I did just use the word happy, but clearly in his voice, it's not a happy song. Right. Uh, there, there's a, yeah, there's a lot there's of a a plaintiveness yeah. in it. And uh, I, that's that lyric always connected with me. I want a daughter while I'm still young. Something we're not going to get, Bob. No, no daughters here. No youth as, as well. So kind of. Yeah, we're over too. Yeah, yeah. We're, out, we're out of that mix. Uh, great way to start the album. Um, I just, there's something about the way that song just hits when it begins that I'm instantly in this world. And uh, again, something that's it's a little overplayed at this point because it's been said so many times, but it's true. The art of the album isn't something that's valued as much anymore, but this sounds like an album front to back. So let's listen now to track two, uh, which is Ready to start. Oh yeah. Now we're in much more familiar Arcade Fire territory. This kind of feels like what I would imagine the the new album from Arcade Fire to sound like when you first turn it on. Let's listen. Yeah, this, I mean, it already sounds like a classic Arcade Fire single. to it, Bob. As suburban kids, ready to start. There is a, uh, a sense, and I'm just basing this whole analysis on the title of the song and the feeling of it. Uh, the idea of when you're in the suburbs and the big city's not too far away, 
kind of feeling like you got to get out. You got to get out as soon as possible to start that life. And um, that would that would make sense to me as a theme from a band like this. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely how we felt. I think some people never leave. But for a lot of people, you relate to that suburban feeling of I'm just waiting for my life to start. And the first step is getting out of the suburbs. And then when you're out, I mean, for me, at least for for a long time, I couldn't imagine ever living back in the suburbs. And then after having a couple of kids and uh, becoming old and far away from the Lower East Side, you're like, you know what? I get why uh, people want to live in the suburbs. And you slowly pull yourself closer and closer to them until you're just a suburban dad. I think it's that's the natural arc, right? For I guess most people. But there is, yeah, that is, it's very interesting. We know a lot of people like this, and that's not judging any decisions they made, but there is a large portion of people that you grow up with that do stay right where they are, and they get married and raise their kids in that very town, and that that's the way it goes, too, um, which is interesting, because it's, it's, for some people, that would be unthinkable, but for other people, that's, that's, how, they're, that's how they're wired and what they chose. Uh, two different paths, very different. Yeah, I mean... We are, we're clearly, uh, we made the decision to get the hell out. We're very far away from, we're very far away. I mean, I'm far away from, <laughs> I'm far away from everything right now. Far away from my family growing up and my current family. So right. clearly we've made some crazy decisions, but I like this song though, Bob, a lot. They played it right after they, and isn't it weird, but they won, like I said, they won the Grammy for album of the year for the suburbs which strikes me even 12 years later is madness I remember those Grammys our friend uh, Mike Dude Love who we've talked about a lot the man who owns the Godzilla soundtrack yes uh, famously just does not know or care about popular music for the most part Um, when the Arcade Fire (laughs) played in those Grammys I remember his big takeaway was just what the hell was that who are right. those people? That was garbage. Like, very, like, angry, like an anger. First of all, he shouldn't have been watching the Grammys in the first place. That makes no sense. But just the anger that came from him, that this band was up there playing this sort of indie rock music that he had no way to wrap his head around. And then it won. So that just made oh, it was even such a, It was such a victory for the indie rock scene to win yeah. this very mainstream award. And Mike is the perfect, like... Mike's version of the greatest song of all time is the Eminem Rihanna song. Like that's yes. that's his equivalent of Bohemian Rhapsody. So like <laughs> seeing those these weird like hobo looking Canadians by way of Houston or whatever the fuck. Like I imagine that was striking to him. Um, <laughs> this was the song also ready to start. They played immediately after they won album of the year. So Mike was already furious. He's like, oh, this is unacceptable. Get them out of the mainstream. Hot diggity. <laughs> now they get to play a second song. It's like two songs. Oh, the best. <laughs> I wish you guys knew Mike, but I know Bob everybody Bob knows Mike is really enjoying this part. <laughs> All right, let's move on uh, to track three. So, so far, Bob, we're a hard, hard two for two uh, on uh, the suburbs. And I'm going to um, go as far to say we might, this is one of those albums, like the Benz was another one, Bob, that jumps out to me. Um, where we get, went straight through and there wasn't really any songs that felt like MFers, mid-album filler, but let's see what happens here. Track three is Modern Man. I am going to crack open, Bob. A little Faith American Ale. Yes. 
Oh, we gotta we gotta update everybody on our Faith American oh, yeah. connection. Faith American Ale is inspired by these mountains and the countless days of recreation and comfort they've given us. My family and I invite you to enjoy this beer. Niles! <laughs> this Kelsey. beer is inspired by the mountains and also Colleen Wolf. Thank you for all you've given me. Hey, Ted. All right, let's listen to the modern man. Who is Kelsey Grammer? Love it, Bob. Me too. You know, you just compared this uh, album uh, and our episode to the the Ben's episode with Radiohead. And I got to say, this is nothing like that episode because uh, the song The Suburbs uh, was played on it. this episode. Yeah, we got it. For the album The Suburbs. Yep. So we did. We it. So we're already doing better. We're getting better at this, Dan. It's finally happening. We're ahead of the game. Uh, as I'm listening to this, I, I was kind of wondering, like, what's it like to be at an Arcade Fire concert in 2022. Because the first two albums, maybe even three albums, fans would speak about seeing them live as like a religious experience. You know, they were such like deep songs and you were just, you know, they were throwing shows in churches and, you know, all these like interesting locations and it felt like such like a deep experience to go see the Arcade Fire. This album, while uh, Grammy award-winning and interesting, doesn't have that same sort of richness of the first two albums. So I wonder, how do you kind of snap back and forth from, hmm. you know, those wake-up type songs and then something like Modern Man, which is lighter. But All right. Well, I'll push back a little bit on the you labeling it as a lack of richness. I think the anthemic quality of those songs on the early albums is less apparent here. They definitely went in a different direction, but the songs to me still sound kind of big and meant for arenas, I think. But it is different. I think there were probably certain people that wanted to hear Wake Up and Rebellion Lies and Keep the Car Running um, over and over. Um, But it seems like to me, and then we know what happened in the subsequent albums, uh, that they kind of didn't want to do that anymore, which is okay. You can yeah. change your sound and evolve, but you just got to make sure you stay interesting and and don't like slide up your own hiney and then go there and, and just uh, uh, suffocate. And release a song like Infinite Content. <laughs> you know, like that we'll kind of thing. That. <laughs> okay, we'll good. get to that. We're going to get good. to that. But uh, that's good. Modern Man. I just realized that we will have to move a little bit quicker through the tracks because... I don't know what we're doing here, but we have 16 tracks on the suburbs. Well, this is why they don't give you a Grammy vote. I feel like you would have just immediately thrown this album out. Well, but I would have went to the record label and to Win and Will and uh, the lady. Calling, I feel like you got to get her name because calling her the lady every time just gets worse every time you say it. <laughs> 
the impression is the impression is perfect. I'm gonna give you that. The impression I know exactly who you're talking about. It's like, hey, how would you guys like? See, this is if I worked for the record label. Hey, how would you like to jump into the mainstream arcade fire? All you have to do is just lop off this album right after track 12. <laughs> no, I don't think that's within our path creatively. <laughs> Perfect impression. I mean, it gets the, it's so good. Regine is her name, Dean. <laughs> Regine. <laughs> Get out of our office. <laughs> All right. <laughs> How did you get in here? All right. Let's move on. All right. So the three for three, Bob, we are flying. Up next is Rococo. Put this next to Pacey and uh, Kelsey Grammer, and I don't even know what your other impressions are anymore, but please. It's, it's just building up to her first appearance on this record, which has not come yet. <laughs> just be ready. If you're not familiar with their work, when you hear her on a song, you're going to think it's me, but it's not. It's the recording <laughs> from the suburbs. All right. This is uh, Rococo, Rococo. Anything uh, on this one, Bob? Rococo is a style of architecture, Dan. Is it? Mm-hmm. Do some. You doing some search over there, Bob? No, I, I just knew that. I definitely didn't just Google it because it's an interesting word, and I was curious what it meant. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is uh, not a. There's like 14 singles on this album. I don't believe this is one of them. Um, but uh, it is like, it's funny with this album. Like they had. You mentioned the first two albums and how they had gotten a lot of um, pop for being a critic starling and having these great live shows that it's like you gotta see the Arcade Fire. I remember as like a Springsteen fan, this was kind of dovetailing with when Springsteen started to get a lot of hipster cred for the first time uh, in the mid-aughts and a lot of dot connecting was made between Springsteen and his shows, which are legendary as everyone knows with the E Street Band and Arcade Fire to the point where you would start seeing Bruce show up at their shows occasionally and things of that nature. Um, and I have I yeah I've seen Arcade Fire open for you too. I've never seen Arcade Fire. Have you seen them on their own? Nope. Nah, that feels like it. That feels like something we should do, Bob. Big mess. I feel like we should be on that. No, I'm already missing miss. Pearl Jam playing the Forum when you're in Atlanta, which is that one's a that's a toughie. I know that's a bummer. But um, we got gangs of youth coming up. That's how we got gangs of youth coming up. But anyway, that's that. I remember being very. Uh, that was another narrative around the band was the connections to Springsteen, and and it just like kind of speaks to where they were as a band for the first two albums, and then this one hit so big that they were. This is you know this is kind of a Coldplay's height as well. You two were kind of beginning their descent at this point in terms of being the quote-unquote biggest band in the world. Like, I think you could make the argument that Arcade Fire were maybe holding that scepter for a brief period. I mean, 
as far as people talking about their live shows and everything, yeah, they were the ones that people, rock nerds, were excited, the most excited about. Right. Kind of coming on the heels of the Strokes and everything like that. This was the band that everybody was like, you got to go see them live. It's religious. We'll never be the same. Which is what made... No, go ahead. Band of Horses kind of came in right afterwards, and the people that couldn't get Arcade Fire tickets would start saying the same thing about Band of Horses. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I've seen... I love Band of Horses. Me too, but I mean... And I've seen Band of Horses live, and I can tell you, it was fine for like a, a $60 ticket. But I didn't come out of it feeling like I had found God. No, they were the uh, the Zune. Is <laughs> <laughs> it the iPod? The Zoom? Zune? They were that. Yeah. They were the that of this. The that of this. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. But I like them a lot. Yeah. I. You really see them as Arcade Fire Light? I did. I feel like I they mean, had their own lane. I don't know. I don't know. You put that first album next to Funeral and the way that they came out, it was... They were very much like this sort of band kind of going for something bigger, but they also had that weed party kind of side of them too, right. there was which a, is I what think they eventually more, became kind of fully. Right. I feel like there was more ambition always with Arcade Fire, and they were much, much more serious about themselves, Arcade Fire. No, they I had think, that. No, you're completely right. I just think yeah. people projected, we want this band to be Arcade Fire, so we're going to make them that based on their first song, the funeral and you know, stuff like that. And it just, didn't, yeah. Oh, uh, well, didn't yeah. Take. You have that, you have funeral connected there. Funeral Interesting theory. Let's uh, listen to track five empty room. Oh yeah. I think she might be in this one, Bob. What is this? All right. Everyone be ready now. Cause you're going to hear something that you're going to think is me, but it's not. Okay. Here we go. I like this song a lot. Me too. I'm having some fun with Regine Shazayang. Man, this is a tough one. R-E-G-I-N-E. You got a little accent over the E. So Regine? Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't be so confident with that. Mm-hmm. 100% confident. I'll put my, my life on the line for this. Could definitely be Regini. Yeah, could be. Probably not. <laughs> Regine. And then the last name, good luck. C-H-A-S-S-A-G-N-E. Oh, wait, we know Eric Gagne, who is, I think, had French-Canadian heritage. So, (laughs) Chassagne. Chassagne. Why don't you just go with Butler, since they're married? I I don't know if she took his last name. Oh, welcome to the patriarchy with Bob Castrone. I'm just going to go with it. Oh, it's the patriarchy hour with Bob in Atlanta. (laughs) I've become a big misogynist since I've been in Atlanta. I don't have anybody here to, like, write me. Like write the ship or anything, so it's just been just complete misogyny. Oh, I'm sure, Bob. I'm sure a lot of uh, Jana Michaels involved. I'm sure. Um, 
And yes, know, the yeah, Office of Corrections and the Department of Go Fuck Yourself. If you feel like you want to reach out to us about the pronunciation of the woman's name, my final answer is Rajin Chasanye. <laughs> this definitely fits firmly in the go fuck yourself side of the, the office's <laughs> two boxes that we have when you walk in. There's like the two piles of papers. This is right. in the go fuck yourself file for sure. Right. Well, it's gotten to the point where it's like Michael Jackson's fan mail in 1984. It's in the big sacks with a U.S. mail on it. <laughs> <laughs> big nylon sacks of hate mail for everything we've gotten wrong. <laughs> um, all right. Let's keep moving. Good job, Rajin Chashanye. Up next. Ooh, this is a good one, Bob. I love this song. City with no children. Let it rip. get to the chorus in a second bob but i like this um uh description in all music not written by stephen thomas Elleron. james christopher monger um says the, the suburbs based on Wynn and william butler's suburban houston texas upbringing it plays out like a long lost summer weekend with a jaunty but melancholy kink bowie-esque title cut serving as the bookends interesting i like interesting. that interesting me too Probably the best bit of music criticism you've ever read out loud on this uh, podcast. You're a total piece of shit. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck Steve Thomas Earl DeWine, who will not get my respect until he apologizes to John McRae and the rest of Cake. Wow. Yeah. Do you think, do you think Cake's aware that you are stumping on their behalf for an apology from Stephen Thomas Earl Uh If they're not, they should be. So if anybody wants to uh, make that connection. At the Try throwback it. pod, at cake music maybe. <laughs> uh, let's uh, listen to a little bit more of a great song. What was that Dave Holmes um, theory that we've spoken about on the pod in terms of like the lost years of music? Oh, yes. The theory was, and uh, apologies to Dave Holmes, whom we greatly respect, uh, if we get anything wrong here. But I believe it was songs that came out in the iPod era. So before the iPhone um, when everyone was stacking songs on an iPod paying 99 cents a, a pop, 
those songs were lost in the shuffle of music because when people started to build songs uh, and playlists with Apple Music and Spotify, those songs kind of were forgotten about. Mm-hmm. And that's that's and then anything before the iPod era, you would have on physical media, right. CDs, albums, tapes. Right. Anything after Apple Music, Spotify would be uh, something you would get into organically. But in that that two thousand two to two thousand four to two thousand eight era, or whatever, kind of just lost. Because thinking about this, like this for me, like came out August twenty ten pre Spotify for me mm-hmm. um i don't think i owned it in any capacity like i think it was still like you'd have to buy the album but you would just buy it on itunes i didn't buy a ton of albums on itunes at the time so i heard the whole thing but i can't think about i can't really remember how i how i got it uh that is surprising to me bob because you are a indie rock file Mm-hmm. You are a lover of music. You were a young man who was on top of things in this era, just, you know, 30 years old at that point, like Justin Graver is right now. And for people like us in that era, like this was a event album. Yeah. But I don't so know, I remember I, I, I got it immediately. A, did you have personally. a CD? Did you have a CD? I had the CD actually. See, that's what I'm missing. Yeah. I did not get the CD. I think I had it. I think I bought it on iTunes, but at the same time, that's all gone. I don't have anything I've ever downloaded off iTunes anymore. It might so, be one of the last CDs I ever bought. I think it's kind of right on that edge. of. But it's interesting you bring that up because I think I do remember physically having the CD and playing it um, uh, all the time. But yeah, it is in that weird netherworld. Yeah. I mean, I was I was recently married. I was a month into being married when this came you out. Were. I was living... With my beautiful wife and you, uh, yeah, that's it was a right. great time. Great time in life. That what? Wait, in August? I think I might have moved out by then. What? No, I think that's when we, because that's when we got. Oh, Ernie. that's when I got in. Yeah, that's so I was in. there. Yeah, so what were? We, I guess we were probably listening to. Uh, I remember. I remember the uh, the golden briefcase episode of Mad Men we yeah. watched in that era. What um, a what a lucky experience for Heather to be like. I'm finally. Finally marrying my, my boyfriend and we're going to live together. And, oh, Dan's moving in three weeks after we get married. Cool. <laughs> she was very nice about it, as I she recall. Was. It was great. Um, oh, it was fun. I remember all of us yes. going to the Dodgers game together. It was a good summer. Summer it was, was nice. Those days are gone. City with no <laughs> children, by the way, was a single um, released in 2011. So, you know, it's I don't remember any of these songs having any type of pop music traction, but it right. really they thread the needle again, making our friend Mike so mad where they managed to keep kind of their cred and be doing things. Everything was on their terms. And then they had this incredible breakthrough by winning um, the Grammy and everything positive that comes with that. So they kind of got everything you want. You did, they didn't lose. They, nobody said they sell, sold out. And yet the mainstream came to them for a brief mm-hmm. period until yeah. they decided to say, oh, look at that butthole. Maybe I'll take a visit. <laughs> Bad decision. Nope, no, no, no breadcrumbs or anything. They just went in there blind. They just said, oh, look, it's a butthole. Let's take a journey. <laughs> I don't think we should do it. 
It might be sneaky and dangerous. Listen to me. I'm Win Butler. I'm Will Butler. I don't know if I believe in this. I'll leave the band over it eventually. I think I'm with Will. It's time to make a decision. Me, Win Butler, or him, Will Butler. I guess I'll go with Win. <laughs> This is, this is, I'm glad you're finally workshopping your uh, one man play about the arcade fire because we've been waiting for this. Did you hear the sound of what it sounds like going up someone's butt? No, I missed that. Whoop. (laughs) Here's here's Half Light part one. Uh oh, Bob, we should have seen this as a warning sign. They started doing uh, part ones to songs. Yeah. Here's Half Light. Are you curious, Bob, what is the most popular song off the suburbs on Spotify? It's pretty, uh, there's a far and away winner. I mean, if I had to guess, I would say it's Ready to Start. Ready to Start is the second most listened to song. Double that is The Suburbs. So that song has a little more traction than I realized, the uh, title track, track one. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to get to number three on the list. And the way in the back end, we'll get to that. Uh, but here's a little bit more of Half Light One. In the back so we got to move. Way in the back Whoop. Whoop. There's actually a lot of guys in the band, too. So it's like, whoop, 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 whoop. Wait, they're all going up their own buttholes. I, th- I assume they kind of all went up Wynn's butthole. Oh, okay. And this is like when Wynn was winning um, when we when we rent the out celebrity au- all star game MVP. Right. So when we rent out an auditorium to do this production, we only have to build one set, and it's interior Wynn's butthole. Yes. Okay. Good. That's There's gonna, always gonna, yeah. It's gonna save it's us. Gotta money. be somebody's. I mean, it wouldn't make sense if it was just some stranger's butthole. No, of course not. That would just be the whole absurd. Idea that is, would be absurd. <laughs> the idea is that you disappear up one's own butt. Right. And so in this case, the entire band. Unless Arcade Fire as a band entity was like a giant, like lumbering monolith that was just wandering through the Canadian countryside and that like had a, a butthole. Like a kind of Sasquatchian type thing. But right. Yeah. No, no, but I, think I, it's, yeah. I think you're right. But I think maybe we do need to start exterior wins butthole just to establish where they'll go. <laughs> so it's going to be two sets on stage that maybe we could have like one of those revolving yes. stages type things. Yeah, like, when like, the Beastie Boys in, like when the Beastie Boys in Green Day in the uh, 1994 VMAs. Yeah. That, all right. That was a good pull. I was going with the season finale of Euphoria, which is not too far off from me being on TikTok. I was going to say, I'm, my reference yeah. is way more pertinent to our audience. All right. Next all right. track. Yeah. Let's move on to Half-Light Part 2. Open parenthetical. No celebration. Close parenthetical. There's there's some uh, there's a bit of a bummer vibe that cuts through this life uh, take on the suburbia lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Let's listen in. Also, I think with if we're again going back to the butthole thing, like everyone goes up his butt, <laughs> and and Will's like, nope, I'm out of here, mm. and he respect that. 
And then the last guy, obviously, to go up the butt has to be Win. And remember in T2, like when um, Arnold like blew away the T1000 with the shotgun that had the bomb in it, and he's all like, like I'm picturing Win having doubling over and then putting his head up the butthole is like kind of that was the last guy in his oh, own head. Okay. I was starting to think, is this a multiverse thing? Is this like everything everywhere all at once, but in a butthole? Like, I mean, there could, who knows? Like, there's yeah. a lot of ways to kind of attack this. All right. Here we go. Half light, two. Open parenthetical, no celebration. Close parenthetical. So I wouldn't call these MFers, Bob, these, this, this two-part song, uh, because, again, I, as an old person, um, really enjoy the flow of this album. But I would understand this might be a hard lis- listen to someone that doesn't have the same viewpoint, because they're like, all right, well, let's get to the, the catchier songs. This is all part of, uh, of a whole to me. Yeah, it's an album. That's why yeah. something like this deserves to win Album of the Year, because they're putting out... 16 tracks that tell a story create a mood do everything it's not just singles or kind of standalone songs that don't fit with one another it all fits all right i'm curious what they who they were up against in were they up against the godzilla soundtrack is that would explain why mike was <laughs> no that i believe took, i was took, in 98 i know it took the academy another 12 years to fully appreciate it how great that that soundtrack was but the jimmy page uh puff daddy collaboration was finally right. getting the credit it deserves all right let's see here i uh, let's see who are they up against album of the year the greatest honor one could attain in the business album of the year in mm-hmm. fact i think after they won the suburbs went from in the 200s on the chart to um, like number 12 overnight. It's yeah. a big deal. All right, 2011 Grammys. Here they are, Bob. Let's see if there's any albums that we thought deserved a little pop on this. Here we go. The Fame Monster by Gaga. Mm-hmm. I think that was her last kind of big, like big one that had um, some big songs on it. Yep. N- Need You Now by Lady Antebellum. I can't speak to that. Nope. Recovery by Eminem obviously has the Rihanna banger on it. Some other bullshit. Teenage Dream by Katy Perry. And um, she has not aged well in terms of uh, her popular standing, huh? Well, because she was never good. Right. She was very much a pop artist. She had pop singles, so you're not going to win Album of the Year. And then finally, The Suburbs, which was victorious. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense why it won. It's, I mean, Lady Gaga was probably, I, again, not to, not to slight Lady Antebellum, who I'm sure is fant- are fantastic, is fantastic. Is it a person? Is it a band? We'll never know. Um, they're like, oh, they changed their name because Lady Antebellum turned out to be problematic. That's right. And now they're Lady A. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Lady A. Oh, my God. Dixie Chicks also did it. Now they're just I, the chicks. I know, the chicks. <laughs> I got excited because I saw Jenny Lewis was touring with 
she was going to play at the Hollywood Bowl. And I was like, oh, who's she? Or uh, the Greek. And it was with the chicks. And I'm like, who are they? And then I clicked on the picture. I'm like, oh, that's who it is. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> the, I mean, the chicks. That's the rough. Chicks. <laughs> that's rough. Uh, and it's funny. they When you were nominated for Album of the Year, all the songwriters are also nominated. And when you see the list for Arcade Fire, it's just the members of the band. These other artists like Gaga and Eminem and Katy Perry, there's like 400 people that are nominated for the award. Right. Right. Uh, anyway, good job. Good W. Let's move on. Uh, sorry, Mike, uh, for what you had to deal with at that award show. Here is Suburban War. Oh, yeah, Bob. Suburban War. We went through it. We survived. We did. We survived. We excelled in our suburban war. There you go. This is great. Such a great vibe. I hear the Neil Young in there. I hear some album track, Born in the USA, era Bruce Springsteen as well. That's what I was going to say. This is the most Springsteen-y one so far, I think. And uh, yeah, definitely connecting with this one, Bob. I mean, it's funny to think about our suburban upbringing, just how suburban it was when you don't really think about it because it's just your life at the time. But the fact that we would like leave school, our little post-school routine in high school, of like leaving, walking over to Walgreens, getting a 99 cent Arizona iced tea, Wait. walking to the Masonic Temple and sitting on the steps of the Masonic Temple and just talking about, you know, our high school and our uh, various love life issues and hiding beers on the side of the Masonic Temple that we can go find if we ever need to. Right. Things like that. And then walking to Orangeburg Road and going our separate ways and going home after school and doing homework. It was so suburban. Everything. Yeah, there's an intimacy to um, suburban life, which is something that I think well, you and I have lived together in Hollywood and, you know, all different areas in L.A. at this point. And I think both of us have found places now that um, are once again kind of that return to where you start, where. If we need to get into downtown L.A. or Hollywood or whatever, you can. But I think it was important, at least to me and Emily, to find a place where our boys had a sense of community and where they felt safe and there was a kind of a vibe to the place. And I, where you are is similar. So I think we kind of, in a way, found our own version of what we grew up in. Yeah. I remember the first time I went into my town, we were driving through it and there was a, a cannon, you know, a, a cannon in the middle of a memorial park right oh we we had a cannon in the middle of pearl river okay i know i know where i am now (laughs) a revolutionary war cannon yes yes uh all right i love that song i think that song is in the running bob for the throwback podcast playlist edition oh there one more justin graver um you know we 
had wondered because we gave you the choice uh, for the Foo Fighters episode to pick the song. We're wondering if you got any critical feedback on the skies and neighborhood, which, by the way, was one other correction I need to make that that had nothing to do with the Sonic Highways HBO documentary. Uh, I'll take the L on that one. But anyway, did you get any heat for that? I did get one angry tweet and they referenced it. They said, this is the one tweet that you they said you were going to get. Here it is. So Bob was telling me before we started, it was overall good feedback. But there was the one, one person who one. didn't like yeah. it. I, I warned you. I warned you that there would be one. Did you hit him with a go fuck yourself? Now you're that you're a part I, of the show? I liked the tweet and I did not respond. And that was all I did. <laughs> Ooh, passive aggressive like. I like that move. He is my brother. Oh, I love that. This guy oh, is my brother. Let's move on. That is the way to handle that dude. That dude just got buried by Justin Graver in the biggest of all spots. <laughs> Here is digger. month of May. Uh, Grave Digger is IP of the throat. Oh, of, no, no. Uh, he, he, you said he buried him, so it makes sense. So it's like now right, it but belongs that, to us. That IP belongs to that successful podcast. We just get Justin Graver. Oh man, okay. That's who we get here. No, that makes sense. Yeah, the character, right. like, it's like with uh, in wrestling, we get Terry Bollet. The NFL gets Hulk Hogan. Right, we can't you know afford. I mean? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, it hurts, but it makes sense. <laughs> we get Norma Jean. They get Marilyn Monroe. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get. It still hurts. I mean, every time, it, you know, you're just really just rubbing it in now. <laughs> All right, here we go. Month of May. this one Bob Why? again well done by the whole band and the track sequencing this is exactly what the album needs at this point mm-hmm. something a little change of pace you know plug in the amps a little bit let's so I imagine would be great live month of May I, I, I always like this one yeah me too yeah it gives it a little shot of adrenaline it's nice great song I don't to know go outside the- and shoot hoops too which I'm sure Wynn was doing he was. I mean, he is the celebrity NBA All-Star Game MVP. I think back-to-back years. Yeah. Back-to-back, Bob. And then he tried to make a political statement. I think we talked about this with Greg Rosenthal. We might even play the interview. And the, as he begins to say something about Kosovo or something, the woman rips the microphone away from him and throws it back to Marv Albert or whoever the fuck. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it was I think great. it's time to reboot the Rock and Jock softball game. Don't you? Only if Cortez is physically able. I don't think I would be comfortable handing the franchise over to anybody else, but Cortez. I mean, at least bringing... in like a Lauren Michaels role, if someone like if he was like overseeing it, 
<laughs> giving Dan Cortez, you're giving him a lot of credit to be a big sort of genius producer type organizer for this thing. But I, I guess uh, who else could we give it to? It's got to be Cortez. John Sencio? I mean, no, Cortez is the guy. Cortez is the face. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, guess what? I think we can get him. I think we could probably get Cortez. And then maybe, you know, if you could use your celebrity to kind of <laughs> wrangle up a few people that you know, maybe we can make this happen. Did you know, on the subject of ex-MTV personnel, were you aware, Bob, that uh, they came for Kurt Loder? People trying to get Kurt Loder canceled over uh, when he was fucking with Jewel about her poem book? What? No, I missed this. Her book of poetry? Someone resurfaced uh, when he gave <laughs> Jewel shit. For in her book of poetry she released in like 1998, she used um, casualty as, uh, you know, as, as like a uh, version of casual. And he's okay. and he in the interview famously, it's kind of well known, was like in this portion of the, this poem, like you understand that's not what casualty means. Right. And she gets she's kind of annoyed with him. And then she uh, calls him a smart ass. And then she was on interviewed by the AV Club, I believe it was, and they asked her about it because that's how pop culture works now. And she was like, "Oh yeah, he was a total dick, and he was he was trying to belittle me, and that was just the type of things I had to deal with at that time in my life." And then Kurt Loder's trending for being a piece of shit, toxic piece of shit. Aww. And then Kurt Loder, who's like 150 years old at this point, yeah. he needs to release a statement apologizing to Jewel for what he had done. He had said that it was he felt bad about it for a long time and and uh, that was not uh, what he should have done. And he regrets it. And Kurt is trying to save himself from getting the old cancellation in 2022. Unbelievable. They came for Kurt. (laughs) Uh, But to be clear, she used the word incorrectly, right? She did. He was right. He was right. In fact, he had. Guess what? Yeah. Just got you fucked. You're canceled, too. Now got you to say it. (laughs) Worked. My plan worked. Release a statement, bitch. It's over for you. I will never not. I will always align myself with Kurt Loader. That is true. Kurt apologizes. (laughs) I apologize. Okay. That's how I feel about the situation. Um, uh, I mean, since we're here, I got to play you how he opens up the famous 1515 segment. Here it is. All right. Let's hear it. He's it's it's dripping. With Loader in it. Here we go. I want to ask you about this. Now, there's a, there's a, there's a line you have. There's, there are nightmares on the sidewalks. There are jokes on TV. Mm-hmm. There are people selling thoughtlessness with such casualty. Mm-hmm. Casualty doesn't mean that, does it? I mean, casualty is like a guy gets his bl- arm blown off. Right? I mean, isn't that? Like- that's a type of casualty. What? It's a type of casualty. That's the one kind of. Thing. No, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you were trying to say casualness. <laughs> what a great prick love it kurt loader i stand with you kurt i would if i were kurt loader's um friend and confidant i would have him resend the rescind the apology that he sent out a couple weeks ago yeah i mean you're not but yeah no just double right. down i mean at what point what does he have all right let's move on <laughs> up next is wasted hours oh, i love this one
again, we're, uh, this is a vibe, Bob. The, yeah. it's, it's very locked in to a groove, and um, this is an album I, I've played front to back so many times, and I just love it. I love this song especially because it really does, uh, once again, nails that suburban feeling of like killing time, not having anything to do. Yeah. Wondering if there's anything better I could be doing right now than nothing. I mean, we grew up at a time when it was so easy to be bored. It's not that easy now. Right. Like, it's much easier just, to find screens and, you know. Yeah, all we would that. have been we would have been if we were there now, we'd be walking around with headphones in, listening to podcasts. Back then you just walked home. You just looked around as you walked home. You had nothing <laughs> in your you had nothing in your pocket. You were just Walking around, looking at fucking trees and rocks. <laughs> now you make it sound like cavemen. I mean, we basically were. In the Rock. early 1990s, we were basically cavemen. There was nothing Can we to fashion you. this into a wheel? There was nothing to distract you. <laughs> Do not fashion into a wheel. It won't work. <laughs> what are you doing here, Rene J? <laughs> Rene J. <laughs> That's the right pronunciation. We found it. <laughs> All right. Beautiful song. Love it. Didn't give it the justice it deserved. But guess what? We didn't make the fucking record 16 tracks either. <laughs> there it is. Had to uh, I am getting angry. Um, here is track 12. Deep Blue. This is not about the uh, computer that beat Gary Kasparov. It's different. Uh, it, it could be. I don't oh, think okay. we have any evidence one way or the other. Got it. But that's the only deep blue I recognize. It took down Kasparov? Yeah. Right? I, thought he hung, I, thought, I thought he hung in there with the machine and took that bitch out. Can't beat a machine. Eh. Can't beat a machine, dude. I feel that. I feel that. Like this one, Bob. Another great song. Yeah. Feel like we're repeating ourselves now, but it's undefeated. I mean, this this album's not giving us much to uh, attack, really. No. And rightfully don't think so. It is. We don't have to. We don't have to hate everything. All right. Let's move on to the next track, uh, which has a little backstory that I read up on uh, earlier today that I want to share with you, Bob. Here is "We Used to Wait." Thank you. 
So, when Butler, um, when the album was released, said that We Used to Wait was inspired by romantic postal liaisons. He used to undertake, here's his quote, In high school, I had a letter-writing romance with a girl. I was trying to remember that time, waiting an entire summer, pretty much half a year, the anxiousness of waiting for letters to arrive. He added, all day, every day, there's almost this cloud of feeling hanging over everything. We'd be in Maine. I'd walk down to the post office and come back. The whole day was consumed by that feeling. They really bounced around. Canada, Texas, Maine, for Christ's sake. Um, Do you have any pen pals, Bob, in uh, this time of your life? In the suburbs of life? I did. I had one pen pal who you might remember as I start telling the story. I haven't thought about this in forever. Her name was Holly. Oh, right. Holly. Do you remember Holly? I do remember her. I met Holly. I was coming back from the Jersey Like the Shore mall or something, right? At the mall. Her and her friend. So we had stopped at this random mall in, somewhere in New Jersey on the way back from the shore. Because we were mall people, my mom. As the Castrones are wont to do. Yeah, my mom hit. I mean, (laughs) right now my mom is in a mall somewhere, like guaranteed. So we stopped at this random mall. I was on my own. And I noticed that these two girls were following me around. Like I was in the fucking Beatles or something. And Um, just to paint it, this is the same Bob that got um, emasculated by Kelsey Grammer. So this might have been a surprise that two women... At this time in your life, we're following you around. But hey, listen, sometimes you just get lucky, right? Sometimes you just get lucky and you just take it. So <laughs> I noticed that like I'd gone into a couple of uh, stores and they were there behind me. We weren't me. like gets followed around in mall types in high no, school. I, no, no. We weren't monsters, but that was for like the um, certain other types yeah, that we grew these, up around. These girls must have been really bored. I must have found a really... <laughs> Really vacant section of New Jersey. Were you in like a like a mall that had been impacted by a nuclear reactor a core <laughs> meltdown and like was just filled with a bunch of monsters? And I then mean, you were there and it's like, whoa, that guy's fucking James Dean. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I guess so. I, I don't know what was going on nuclear at the time, but I mean, who knows? I'm just hitting out because no one ever followed me. Go ahead. <laughs> so I do remember actually the only other thing I remember about being in the mall is I remember listening to U2's pop. At one of the uh, listening stations. Oh, so this is a little later. Okay, so now we're we're talking spring of '97. Okay. Oh no, ahead. it wasn't pop. Never mind. It was uh, the other one. The, Zuropa. Uh, okay. Zuropa. So n- we're talking about yeah. you know spring of '93. Yes, it was like numb. I yep. remember listening to numb. Okay. Um, and so I went into like Spencer's, and then they followed me in, and then I came out, and I waited until they came out, and I said like, "Hey, I don't know. I was, I, was not, <laughs> I didn't know like what to do." But uh, anyway, fuck? so me and this girl, she was, you know, this cute Jersey girl we exchanged. Wait, we, did you say that? He's like, you girls fuck? <laughs> uh, I'm we, picturing 13-year-old Bob. You okay, girls fuck? <laughs> Do you fuck and or have any plans to make the jump onto the big screen? That was my only question I had. That was the only question I had. What if like... You're like they're like yeah. In fact, we do. And then Kelsey Grammer like bursts into the mall and scoops the girls up and marries them, makes them <laughs> wife seven and eight. I mean, they were cute, but they didn't look like uh, they weren't blonde. Niles. Yeah. <laughs> so, but Holly. So the, one of the girls, her name was Holly, and uh, we exchanged numbers and I guess addresses because no, I think it was just numbers. And then we got each other's addresses and we would talk on the phone like every couple of weeks and send each other letters and her letters were just insane I remember I feel like you showed them to me yeah I remember we would look at them together proof of uh, concept yeah but 
Did you ever actually meet her? I don't think you did, did you? I think I may have... S no, I don't, I don't think I ever saw her again. You're right. Like, I don't because think I ever... guarantee, although I don't remember the conversations, the natural pivot point there would have been you and I trying to set up a meeting and perhaps I would meet up with her girlfriend mm. and then we would like, we would be in some suburban mall. But we're like 14 years old. We would have had to have a parent drive us to the, this mall. It would have been a whole weird thing. Also, oh, yeah. I remember Holly was like fucked up. She was very into like Nine Inch Nails. She and, was, that's right. Yeah. Marilyn, early Marilyn Manson, was it? I think early Marilyn Manson. Yeah. yeah like mid 90s Manson. So that explains more about why she was following me around, I guess. Because I Typo definitely- Typo negative. She's like, I, I fucking like, love following yeah, I fucking dudes love around. Typo negative. Let's Listen talk to about the it. typo negative. Let's talk about some typo. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was my like my main pen pal. All right, let's start the track. I have more questions to ask. Uh, up next <laughs> is Sprawl One, open parenthetical, flatland, close parenthetical. So that feels like a missed opportunity, like because we could have. Could have taken a bus or something down to like the Paramus Park Mall. Do you remember the other, the other, I just remember the one other thing about Holly that you and I were fixated on and it came from a conversation I had with her and it involved a Twix bar. Does this ring any bell for you? It doesn't, but my mind is racing. I mean, it's going, your mind raced to exactly the space where it should race. I remember she told me she masturbated with a Twix bar. <laughs> and it freaked me the fuck out at 14 years old. And it would still freak me out today. But I remember she said that and it was like, what? oh, this girl's fucking nuts. Also, there's so many, I don't know, logistical issues there, but I... I don't wow. think I had a follow-up question. I think I was too scared. How did you... I would have moved heaven and earth, Bob, as a... 13 year old to make sure I met with this girl at this point in my life. I was You're horrified. You're a virgin, you don't have a lot of experience, and here's this girl telling you these sexually intimate things. Mm -hmm. I think she, you think she was just trying to get a rise out of you, ultimately, and that's where, as far as she wanted it to go? I mean, probably, because around the same time, if you, uh, if you think about it, is when you and I had a crush on the same girl in Pearl River who had stories of like making out with a guy in a hot tub or going down oh, with yeah, a guy in like a janitor's closet. So, I think girls knew around that time, like 14, 15, 13, 14, 15, you could tell these stories and little hornballs like us would just be like right. salivating and not know how to respond. It, it's basically what Alanis Morissette built off like the back of her first album off. Yeah, exactly. This is how you get these fucking guys to like you and buy your <laughs> fucking, records. These, these idiots. Lo these loser virgins. <laughs> fucking morons. Tell them what happens in a movie theater. Idiots. <laughs> and we'll just Twix fucking, bar. We'll eat it up. Please. Shit. The Twix bar does it like older and having more like knowledge on anatomy and things of that nature <laughs> fucking doesn't even make sense I like, I like how analytical you're getting it's great <laughs> like have you ever when's the last time you held a Twix bar in your hand Bob whether well, it's in only, the wrapper only, or not only while masturbating <laughs> that shit is not uh, sound in terms of it's how it's compromised it's a thin <laughs> wafer held together uh, it's like a cookie a thin cookie with a layer of caramel on it and then milk chocolate over it. I guess I assume the wrapper was on. But what the, that doesn't make, it's a fucking lie is what it is. <laughs> uh, 
All right, let's move to Sprawl 2 because this is uh, <laughs> open because parentheticals. Because you're getting angry. <laughs> mountains Beyond Mountains, close parentheticals. This, Bob, is the second most played song on Spotify. It is also Rajane uh, Gagne, Eric Gagne's granddaughter's um, star moment, and it is one of the most beloved songs from the record, Bob. So let's give it the respect. It deserves Sprawl 2. Okay. to the dressing room. <laughs> is this you or her? I can't tell. <laughs> A Twix bar is not made out of materials for that. <laughs> now, if you want to talk about your Snickers, okay, something that has a little girth to it, Something that has a little more structural oh, integrity. Girth. You're all about girth. So always have to bring it back to girth. But I'm saying the Twix is a thin wafer covered in caramel and chocolate. She was like 14. A fucking Snickers? <laughs> that would have been too much. A king size? No. <laughs> a but Magnum? I'm, I'm, Snickers Magnum? <laughs> I assume it's the caramel Snickers, not uh, Twix, not the peanut butter. Yeah, Since no, this no, continued. yeah, none of, yeah, exactly. It would be the classic, you would think. It's bullshit. All right, let's listen. To- Thinking of those um, giant novelty-sized candy bars that are like FAO shorts. <laughs> oh no! Well, I mean, by now that's what she would be up to. I mean, you would think if she started that at thirteen. I mean, you just, if you start somewhere, yeah, you got to keep going. Yeah. Uh, this is this sounds like um, "Heart of Glass" by. Um, oh, that's a good call. Yeah. And it's cool. It's 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 her. She really does for all the joking about Rajanye. Gagne. Rajanye Gagne is actually the pronunciation. She really does add a texture and a flavor to the group that I quite enjoy and always have. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's such an interesting voice. And not that Wynn doesn't have a great voice, but I think it's a welcome relief to hear her kind of mix things up a little bit. It's much more effective than the Goo Goo Dolls kind of going back, trading off songs back and <laughs> forth on uh, that album Bye. that we did. Wait, why are you going after Robbie, our favorite bass player in the world? Well, because I'm saying, like, there was, there was, I mean, no offense to Robbie or Maud, but there Robbie was, Hart. There was too much Robbie on that album, and where I think the Arcade Fire knows when to sprinkle in a little Regine Gagne. Regine Gagne. Sister of Eric Gagne, who once had 60 saves for the Dodgers in 2002. All right. Love Sprawl 2. Love uh, Sprawl 2. Keep- Roll into the suburbs, open parenthetical, continued, close parenthetical. Is that the one you said there was one more song that had a ton of listens? Is that it? Was it Sprawl 2? Mm, it was Sprawl 2, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and and su- uh, suburbs like kind of bookends things here. A little, um, I believe, just an instrumental. So that is 
the album, The Suburbs, Bob. You Sixteen songs, one hours, one hour and four minutes long. You know, we got pulled away by the pen pal thing while we were listening to We Used to Wait. Um, I'm going to share with you now and then with everybody else on uh, Twitter this video that they did online. It's called The Wilderness Downtown. The Arcade Fire had this website to promote the suburbs at the time. And it was this interactive music video they did where you put in any address you want. So you could put in like the address of the house you grew up in. Oh, wow. And it like builds this music video using Google Maps and everything. And it like takes you there. And I remember being California stoned on my couch <laughs> and putting in my Quake Lane address from Pearl River and just flying and being like, this is the most surreal thing I've ever really? experienced because that song is like a beautiful song. We used to wait. And then it's like taking you to your front door of your childhood home. It was so Is insane. that still somewhere? Do I have to I go in the Wayback Machine? Okay. Yeah, no, I pulled it up. It's still there. So I will All right, you got to tweet you. that out to the Throwback Pod uh, Twitter uh, fiends out there. And, you know, we're recording this pod on 420. So I'm just saying if you guys, you know, Bob, don't say it. I'm, don't I'm not do saying it, Bob. It. I'm saying for you and Graver. It's a gateway. Just you and Graver. That's it. It's a gateway to the grave, Bob. Um, um, so, yeah. So, what do you have? No. No, no, no. I was no, going no, to go, I was gonna go, I was go do the business. What do you want to say? What is the business? What does that mean? Because we're at the end of the uh, the episode, aren't we? Oh, yeah. We are at the end of the episode. But I wanted to add one more thing. I have a gift for you because oh. I know you've been, uh, you are a fan of this band. You are a fan of anyone uh with the name Ben and I, I found a great Arcade Fire live song that I think you'll really enjoy. So just um here Graver, you got it for me, buddy? It really is gonna play into the things that you're passionate about. Ooh, I'm excited. Give me a break, give me a break, <laughs> break me off a piece of that. Kit Cat Bar. I guess it's not a Twix song. It's another candy bar. No, I didn't just Rick roll you. I Kowalczyk rolled you. <laughs> Live, baby. <laughs> I bet you brought a gun to school too. I like how they book end their album with uh, the suburbs, and you book ended the suburbs episode with Simple Creed. I don't know what that means. As one does. There's a lot of bookending happening. Um, I, let me use this opportunity to thank everybody on patreon.com slash Tricky did not show up for this live performance people should know <laughs> he was, Tricky was booked Tricky was booked he was not in Amsterdam for this live album Twixie go ahead um, thank you to everybody on patreon.com slash Twix bar what a throwback joke pod you guys are the best kicking in $2 a month $6 a month and more to keep this podcast afloat and let us do things like record while we're on opposite sides of the country and hire a-list producers like Justin Graver. So mm -hmm. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who voted in the poll that led to us doing this album. And uh, in a true uh, next level, go fuck yourself. The poll, the poll is uh, still open, but the arcade fire is winning by such a margin. I felt like yeah, it was safe. your vote never mattered. I guess is what we're trying to say. We no, no, said, no, it does matter, but it's winning by oh. such a margin that I don't think anything's going to oh. catch up to it. Uh, well, that's one way to spin it. Okay, it cool. Beat out, it beat out Spoons, Gimme Fiction, The Walkman, Everyone Who Pretended to Like Me Is Gone, 
and Dan Destroyer, Destroyer's Rubies. So I know you were looking forward to doing that one. I don't even know what that is. I knew but that's I, what you were going to say. I have to say that uh, it would have been funny if, if they lost the poll and then this was the album that dropped. So I'm well, a little disappointed it, they won. Well, you know what? If I mean, they're still Patreonies who haven't voted. If you want to tell us to go fuck ourselves, go log in, vote for Spoons, <laughs> Gimme Fiction, and then uh, we'll really look stupid. I, you know, I was going to play. We're a little over time, so we got to move on. But So I don't want to play it. But uh, there is something to be said about what happened after the suburbs and uh, how Reflector was such a bloated, strange mess yeah. um, of an album and a, a single, a return single. And I just remember being like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And then they came out after that, and everyone was hoping for a return to form. And we got the album that had, what was all that bullshit on that last album they put out? the infinite content stuff yeah right? and I was like guys what are we doing with the and everything and, uh, now I thought when that came out I was like that's a great single I was excited about everything now but the album was just tough to get through tough and it was just like it was really a um, difficult pill to swallow for people that had kind of bought in on them as the next big legacy rock act so again Bob a lot of pressure on you now after two very disappointing Albums for them to really uh, crank back the clock and be special again. I mean, I'm hoping for it. I really like the lightning that they have out now as like their first single, and you can go listen to that ahead of time. But uh, I'm excited for the album to come out, and hopefully, I'm not uh, kind of in this bubble where I think it's great and it's not. I think it's going to be good. I think people are going to dig it. Just the, in terms of the ponderousness and what happens when you're trapped up one zone butthole. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah. Uh, track one is everything underscore now continued. Track two is everything now the proper single. Track 13 is everything now continued. And it also has a song called infinite content. And then the next song is infinite underscore content. I'm like, what are we doing when that was? Yeah, that was the worst part of the um of the album for me was that infinite content one two punch i just remember being like what the fuck what are we doing but who knows maybe who knows they will turn back the clock and even if they don't you cannot touch these first three arcade fire albums time to pick bob the song off of the suburbs that we will add to the throwback podcast playlist that will follow foo fighters and the very controversial Justin Graver pick of The Sky is a Neighborhood, which I quite adore, but opinions vary. Bob, uh, I like the idea, that girl, how she led you on and lied to you about candy and um, (laughs) self-pleasure. I think you deserve to pick the song that will go on the playlist. I mean, I don't want to put the pressure on Justin to go back to back, but I would like to hear his opinion listening to this album, kind of what stood out for him. Put him on the spot. Yeah. Wow, a few things. A few things. Ready to start was the first, was the only song I recognized. Right. I'm not a huge Arcade Fire guy, but I recognize that one. Um, City with No Children, very cool. Wasted Hours, very cool vibe. And uh, We Used to Wait, those are the ones that stood out to me. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm between Wasted Hours and We Used to Wait. Dan, I'll let you make well, the pick. Well, I think because, because of the... Um, romantic trials and tribulations connected both to Win Butler up there in Maine, his summer in Maine. Their their origin story is getting increasingly suspicious, I must say. Uh, and your uh, your tale of love and loss with the Twix girl, I think we used to wait is a nice pick for the Throwback Podcast playlist. So let's go ahead and add that 
And um, thank everyone for listening. Thank you to Justin for helping us out once again. Bob, I will uh, see you here in California if you um, choose to get off your little private jet. And uh, that's yeah, it. I could make a I could make a stop by while I'm there. So I'll do be you home. Go, do you get do you get off the private jet and then just you and Will Arnett hop on a helicopter and just circle Los Angeles together, drinking champagne and eating strawberries? This is how I. This is how I picture it. Then I don't want to say anything other than that. That's exactly what's going to happen. But I will see you soon, finally. Good. I'm looking forward to it, buddy. Uh, Thanks to everybody for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Uh, Until then, uh, from the Department of Corrections, remember. Go fuck yourself. Thank you. Come on, Rajane. Thank you, Rajane. Rajane.